0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Emerging Technology Series on the Leadership Insurance Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Savage. This is the podcast where we bring together technologists from the world of insure tech to generate insights around the rapidly evolving innovation across the landscape. The industry is going through a tech evolution from the likes of cyber, IoT, AI to connected insurance. and We want to showcase these exciting movements we're seeing in the space. I'm very lucky to be joined today by Chief Technology Officer of Stubborn Edge, Jason, um, Stubborn Edge is a fintech that works with intermediaries, brokers, IFAs and insurers and with 20 years experience in the IT industry, Jason is a leader of software engineering teams globally and has a successful track record of delivering and supporting projects across insurance, finance and healthcare sectors. Jason,
1: welcome. How are you doing? Thank you very much. Really good. That's a very nice intro. That's very good. It makes me sound like I'm okay. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully it was was pretty
0: accurate. I just wanted to give a kind of brief introduction to Stubborn Edge, but I'm sure you can probably do a a better job of doing that. So I guess before we begin, that's kind of where I want to start, you know, for you to introduce Stubborn Edge, who they are, and and we can kind of go from there.
1: Yeah, sure. So, yeah, we are uh, an insurance and finance technology group so uh yeah we're all about intermediaries really so that's um you know we're, we're not just dealing with just the brokers of that we're also dealing with the mgas the wholesale brokers and all the way to the insurer as well so we've, we've uh we've created a, a nice platform that i can talk about in a little bit um that helps mm-hmm. all those people and give them the right tooling um it's not just about sort of the product that we have as an insurer within yeah. our group it's about other people's products as well and bringing all those together and um you know, we're empowering a lot of people to do the right kind of thing without having the burden that they have in a lot of companies, you know, because we saw that an average sort of broker in the UK it can take the best part of a year to get up and running. So we help those rapidly with our kind of platform really. So it's, uh, yeah, it's quite interesting. It's something that I've been part of from the beginning.
0: Mm, well, thank you for that. And, and I guess in terms of your journey as well, as I touched on, you know, across a number of sectors over the years, like I noticed you would join stubborn edge at the beginning of this kind of exciting journey you know yeah I uh, to kind of start off as well a, a little bit about your journey into the world of insure tech and and how that's been you know yeah. for you at stubborn edge you know what attracted you to the mission you know
1: yeah so um a little bit my my journey it's been quite interesting really so um i'd always i've been a programmer in the uh, sort of late 90s and then somebody said to me can you build a website and i thought i think i can So, uh, but kind of like fell in love with the internet in that kind of late 90s. And I started a freelance project called Lucid, uh, Lucid Creations. And um, I could see in the early noughties that uh, websites and systems were going well and stuff, but I wanted to make a sort of a bit of a differentiation really with the other sort of development houses. So it was always me and a merry band of contractors really getting the relationships because throughout my career, I've always found that I was a techie that can speak to humans. So which has always been a really good, a really good trait, really, so I can... Apparently yeah. have these humble conversations and then chat to the developers as well, um, but yeah. So uh, I'd want a few sort of decent sized contracts, which is things like the uh, the NHS patient management system um, for a lot of uh, different services across the UK, and it's still running today. That is actually sort moving into a third generation build, and um, also Toshiba worldwide work with them to do their warranty management of air conditioning uh, systems. So people like Boots and River Island and uh, Holiday Inn will use our systems to spec out their builds. And then they manage every little nut and bolt of that into the warranties. That was the closest I ever got to insurance. And then uh, around about uh, 2012, I think it was 2013, um, uh, a friend of a friend approached me and said, can you build an insurance system for caravans? I thought, well, this doesn't sound very exciting, but, you know, a contract's a contract. Let's have a look and see what we we can do. So we looked at that um, sort of third-generation family brokerage, and um, we knew knew better—no better, better sorry—than to automate it to death, like we had done for all these other big companies. And we didn't realize that what we'd done actually created something quite different to what a lot of insurance brokers were getting at the time in terms of how it automated their business and the level of reporting and access they were getting to the data. Um, and by the end of that year, coincidentally, we tripled their turnover and slashed their operating by 75% because we just automated them to death. So it was a really good story, but it just happened that the insurers of that book uh, was a company called IOMA. And IOMA was run by Chris and Karen, who is today our CEO and deputy CEO of Stop and Edge Group. And uh, they said, we need to work together. We need this platform. What is it? So we decided to work together. We had in IOMA around about 40 years of composite insurance data. Uh, some of it was even on microfiche. We're talking you know, that far back. And we said, you know, what can we build for ourselves to help us modernize that group? Bring it into the modern era and bring in some automation. You know, back then, really, you know, sort of ten years ago, almost, we were talking more about you know robotic automation. Really, that was as that was as high end as we got technology wise. Really, um, so we were looking to bring that in, and we did, and we created a system that was really nice. And Chris Cameron and myself, we thought, do you know what? I think a lot of the market could do with this instead of using the standard kind of off the shelves ones. And uh, you know, so it's it's a key sort of subject to talk about. You know, whether you buy in or build it yourself. Um, so we we built all these the uh, systems for ourselves and then we decided in 2018 to have a bit of a management buy. We thought, you know what, we can take this to market as a platform, it's called Flight Deck today. Um, and we think we can give people access to technology and data and product. A very very low barrier in terms of cost and in terms of just effort as well um and that's what we're doing so you know that's what we're trying to help out intermediaries with the platforms and what i say is our platform gives people the three p's that's not what marketing will tell you and it's not in any of our brochures but it's my easy way to explain it yeah, and the yeah. idea being that if you today decide this podcast thing is not for you and you want to go and sell pet insurance for example it's going to take you a long time to get that um, set up as i mentioned at the beginning and we can help you with permissions through our AR networks instantly through so the platform and the automated onboarding platform where we do all the KYC elements and that, all the AML checks. Um, and then once you're in the platform, you give them access to a marketplace. And that's full of all kinds of products. That's not just insurance, not just our insurance, that's other people's insurance. And that's also our finance products, lending uh, and cash management platform um, products and pension pieces we're moving to. There's all sorts of in, uh, product in there. So when you decide as a intermediary to sell one of those, or maybe as a retailer to add value to an existing uh, proposition, um, you can actually use those and you've given all the technology to run that kind of thing. So everything from the buying journeys to the administration processes to the, uh, the data warehousing, the accounting platform, everything is there instantly white labeled for you. So it's, you're very rapid. So that gives you permissions, gives you product. And also the final step is what we call people. So we have a warehouse full of a lot of data. i will not going into the exact numbers, but we're talking tens and tens and tens of millions of oh, records. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we uh, enable people in sort of individuals and commercial markets to be able to uh, work with that data through our platform and white label call center uh, call center provisions and uh, email campaigns to create funneling campaigns through the platform to actually distribute. So it's not like just going to. Your latest, uh, you know, great tech, uh platform that can give you great admin. When you come into our platform, you're actually getting the help to market it and distribute it as well. So it's we always say it's a distribution platform, not an admin platform in that kind of way.
0: Amazing, amazing. Thank you. A couple of things that jumped out. You know, I guess, um, yeah, the the aspect of really what mission are you solving? What's the problem space? And it's just removing that barrier to entry as such and and um you know and also just kind of your journey into insurance just again a kind of classic example and i'm the same you know i kind of just just kind of fell into it you know started yep. building a product and then all of a sudden the guys were then ceo of this company stubborn edge and it just all really just fell to built together and here you are you know building a fantastic yeah. distribution platform that is now you know centered around as you say technology data automation that you know the insurance industry is only just touching upon in recent years
1: exactly and i think you know whilst we all had uh, you know hard time stuff with covid i think in one way covid was really good for the insurance industry because it maybe made, made it really yeah. look back on itself really and you know whereas people are uh, used to being in the city and uh, all meeting face to face and doing all the different things that they do um you know it had to change we had to you know, make things better we had to um still have that degree of human relationship because we don't want to take that away from people to broke you know and talk to each other and do those deals but having the technology to make that more rapid and more quantifiable and stuff and that's where we we see that we're helping people in that way mm-hmm.
0: and the other uh, piece that just kind of escaped my brain there was the when you touched on the builder versus bar which we'll definitely get into but um, <laughs> i think that's from your perspective is so interesting as a cto mm-hmm. <clears throat> but i think Lots of exciting, you know, some really exciting stuff happening. You can see it all on, online and all the latest news developments, but loads of exciting developments, updates from Stubb and Edgy's side that seems to be relating to things like innovation and, and speed, more importantly, which you kind of talked about, removing that barrier to entry. Like recently acquired, for example, InsureCore to expand the tech over. It seems like you guys are just acquiring... you know everyone you know i I really just love that piece you know again from someone that is you know kind of engineering and tech enthusiast i just thought that's a really impactful one like how does that impact you guys from a technology stack perspective and and i guess what does that mean for your business in the industry going forward something like the insure core um acquisition
1: yeah so over the last uh, eighteen months here, we've acquired uh I think it was seven companies I think it's all different various weird and wonderful people, and everybody could come the outside like, what what next? who who are you buying now? That's just a bit crazy, really <laughs> But there is a strategy behind all this. And um what we're looking to do is uh, partner with and acquire companies that are helping us to enrich our product offerings and features, really. Um I'll come back to Insurco in a second, but I think a really, really good example um is a Cody who was one of our first acquisitions actually last year. And um, Akoni is a cash management platform. So that is a platform that allows you to, um, as an individual or a business, to put money into a a digital bank account, into a holding account, and then you can instantly move that money around between lots of other bank accounts. Um, And then you can make money from the the interest that you're gonna gain from by playing around, moving the money around into different rates, could be fixed over a long period or having a, a short instant cash. But the thing for us now, you've been saying, well, that, that doesn't sound like you know anything to do with insurance is there was a few things there. So A, it gives us the instant capability of open banking. Um, but B, it allowed our um, brokers, MGAs, to have now access to uh, a bank account that it could hold black, the client money, but also could move stuff around rapidly, so they could actually earn a bit more from there. We seem like absolute heroes now. With this um, a, a year on, where um, you know cash has become king, and uh, you know everybody's all about interest rates. You know it's harder back, I say, a year ago, but the model really works now. Where we're seeing some quite large players in the industry putting substantial amounts of money into us um, to actually make the most of it. So th- that company is a great business in its own right. However, it just gets exposed as a single feature within uh, Flight Deck. But that is, a, like I say, it's a bit of a mean feat to get that in. Um, we're looking for acquisitions that have got a good technology themselves so that they can integrate with us. You know, We're fortunate that as a group, we're a Greenfield site, so we've got the latest microservice architecture, so we're able to integrate very easily with other people. So we're looking for that similar with other people we purchase, really, because that's what I need to have, you know, and make sure that uh, we're able to expose those capabilities and features really quickly and securely as well. And it's a, it's a constant battle of mine with sort of uh, working through our ISO 27,000 one piece, stop baselining ourselves with acquisition. So uh, yeah, it's, it's always a move, but then Insuracore came along really it's a really good opportunity. And um, we'd already always known about Insuracore, but because we're looking for more channels of distribution and how we can bring more people to the platform, that's where Insuracore came from. You know, they've got, Great access to the market, really well known, um, but also a, a vast amount of data in terms of what the market is after. So that's both, you know, the two sides for people who don't know, who might listen, who don't know insurance, is the idea is as a broker or an insurer, an MGA, you would come on and it's, uh, I'm not allowed to use the word Tinder, but I have, uh, where they, you know, they come along like a dating agency and they meet together and then they decide they're going to go off into the sunset and make beautiful products together. But the idea yeah. is that we're hooking Core into our flight deck platform where it's empowered by that. So if you join together and say, I want to produce this product, we can help with the distribution instantly with the platform. So they, they get that, you know, all that technology there in the line. We also get a better um, amount of data in terms of educating what are the next products that people want to see in our marketplace and help that continual churn, really? And also it could be you know new uh, MGA's that will come to the market. They want to be having access to a new broker market as well. So it gives them access, everybody access to all that. But it is a mean feat. You know, we've, um, we've got a really good engineering team and uh, there's about 70 of us in total in the engineering team um now predominantly in the uk as well we've got 20 engineers in our india office which is for first line support um and then our ux team uh over in uh, south africa but they all work together really well and it, you know it's a challenge every time bringing a new business in integrating them and uh getting it all right
0: yeah yeah and, and talk about you know really helping the mgs and bringing bringing those different types of insurance businesses together for, you know that kind of distribution for good at the core of it like yeah. Does the customer can kind of ultimately in the end benefit from from you know your input to, to helping these guys level up from a technology? You know, is the end goal for
1: you guys that, that customer piece, or
0: you know, are you really um, just
1: focus on the insurance? No, so yeah, we we do look at it all and so um one of the things, one of our sort of internal mission statements about um helping the underserved. And that was is is allowing us to bring down the cost of insurance through the automation to allow people who have not been able to access insurance before to be able to access some of these things because some of them you know, the broker just wants a really good margin in there but if we can help automate them that brings the margins down and the you know the commission rates and allows people to actually uh, have access to these but also um, as a good example so um, going back to what I was saying before about you know that you might do pet insurance ironically we haven't got pet insurance on the platform I'm, I'm saying this but uh, it's easy to say. Um, within the platform instantly you get a customer self-service portal when as part of the buying journeys. So people are able to access that product, buy it, then the policyholder thereafter can do the self-service. That's common. You'd expect in any insurance products these days online. But what we do in there is we also create a bit more of a community around it. We uh, fulfill it with um, retail discounts so they can get better access to other sort of savings, but also we put in our other products so things like access uh, access to ISAs and saving products, which people wouldn't normally be able to do, and they're subsidized by the price of insurance. So they're actually getting better things. So not only are they getting a good deal just for insurance, just a, you know, a, a nice way of doing things online, but also they're getting access to products at a, a subsidized amount, well, which would be better than they've ever had before. And probably things they might not think about. You know, They might think, mm-hmm. you, know what, so, you know, I wouldn't have thought about doing a pension through my insurer or so to speak. You know, so it is about the helping the consumer in that way as well.
0: Fantastic, fantastic, and I guess just moving on to away from the kind of stubborn edge piece exclusively, you know, you kind of touched on in your opening about the the builder versus buyer, which again I was just really excited. I think you know when you're discussing the dynamics of builder versus buyer concept, in the startup world, you know, I thought, mm. say you being a CTO, your perspective into the insights and the role that technology development and decision making plays would mm. just be really interesting for the listeners, like. Is someone mm-hmm. that obviously loves building technology, loves building software. You know, as you say, you've done it at Lucid. You know, mm-hmm. how do you approach the decision of building technology in-house versus buying existing solutions for your startup? Mm-hmm. Like, do you almost feel like you're selling your soul a little bit when you need to do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm gonna say that that is my life is a constant battle, really. So, <laughs> I have to i I have to sort of take my sort of like developer ex software engineer mind out of this, really, and. Um, yeah. When I'm, when I'm looking, it's sort of a, a new piece, really. So normally when, uh, you know, somebody in the business will come to me and say they've got X solution or X problem to solve and I need to provide a solution for it. And normally I do go to market to look at some stuff that's, you know, off the shelf. Um, mm. But what quite often what we what we do is I look at those as a point of kind of more of like an MVP Because it's great having some of these solutions that are off the shelf and uh, it gets us rapidly to where we need to be and it gets us securely and you know trusted vendors and it's really good. Um, But it might be the next phase where we're looking to collaborate with those. So I always look for technologies that are off the shelf but can then later integrate. It might be much further down the line. We look to sort of build our own version of the truth in that way because one thing I have found over the years um, is where we tend to be then shackled by the supplier's roadmap. And what I I used to joke about is you know, you, you know they're only as fast as their largest slowest customer, so it's so uh, you know it it's a uh, it's it's always tricky really because you lots of people so Lucid itself still exists within the group so Lucid UX so when my company was acquired into the group and we are um, an external technology provider so we provide you know things to the different sectors um, like I said still do the Tosh thing the NHS thing and lots of other clients insurance, um, yeah. and. They always come to us at the same thing, really, and my sell to them is, you know, get what you want, not what you're given. Um, and but, but it does come with its risks. You know, it isn't as cheap as buying a stash product that's already been built over the last ten years. You know, you've still got to worry about the con- the concerns of that provider in terms of their security and how you know how professional they are in terms of their output. So it, it is a constant challenge, and I, I'd say there isn't kind of a one size fits all really. And it is just about really you know, your appetite and how you want to do it. And it's, it's hard for a company to develop their own stuff unless they've got the right mindset themselves. And we even find yes. that come into our group because yes. Okay. On the forefront, we're insurance and finance tech um, group, but we are a technology group really. So when we get somebody joining us from a large insurance corp, who's you know quite institutional, they're like, well, these guys work differently. They work as a technology company, not just as, a, as an old school insurer. So, um, you need to have that uh, ability in your um, teams internally to sort of take that on because uh, without that and having that agility, and I don't mean agile as methodology, um, mm-hmm. you know, you you just won't succeed in getting the right product because you need to be a fairly sort of um, sort of educated team and, and lots of people uh, uh, come to me when they're building the insurance and They always say, "Oh, it's not my first rodeo." But it's kind of it's not just about that, you know, it's it's having sort of that will to collaborate with the technology company that's going to be able to help you in that kind of way. So it is hard. So uh, I don't think you'll ever answer the question of builder or buy. It, it's just um, it, it's just horses for courses, I would say, in this kind of way. And um, but it is a constant challenge. And, um, you know, sometimes it is quicker for me just to go and get something from, I don't know, Microsoft read their uh, their sla and do all my little security checks and i can tick there and go tick 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 i know they're looking after all the good stuff so you, you, you haven't got to worry about that so it depends on the technical people you have in your business as well
0: yeah yeah and as you say it's probably never going to be builder versus it's just courses for horses you know but i think yeah. if, if if you if you had taken kind an of answer in terms of like you know the factors that you do consider you know if that was kind of short form obviously have we could probably do a podcast on that alone but you know is there any kind of top three four factors that you do consider when you're evaluating right are we going to build this Mm -hmm. or are we going to buy technology solutions like is there any kind of obvious ones that you always consider
1: yeah absolutely so uh, my my two main ones are security and integration that's the two the two main things i'm looking forward really because anything we do in the business is always about um, security of the data, first of all, the capability of the software and the kind of the speed. Um, so that that's the kind of main things I would be looking for in that supplier, really, or what they've provided. Um, is is it going to be extensible? Can I connect it to other things? Because, like, again, I, I do speak to a lot of different people in insurance and they've got, oh, this is our X system. This is our Y system. This is, you know, the Z system. But none of them talk to each other because they're not integrated. Um, so I'm always looking for that uh, that integration piece, and you know that it is doing that securely and to industry standard. Because there are lots of really really shiny things out there which seem really great, but then uh, they're the ones I worry about. You know, waking up <laughs> with some dodgy report in the morning that it's it's all been exposed, in, which we've just seen recently and uh, in the last week or so with the payroll system that's across many many yeah. big companies. You know, it's uh, you've got to be careful of these things, and that's uh, you know something that we audit a lot. Um, so you have to be those, and I think. Um, you, you can go down some of the the old school kind of like procurement kind of pieces as well, where we're going, you know, you're looking for the capability of the company, of their experience and stuff. But I think sometimes that actually can hamstring you into choosing the name we've all heard of. And I know, yeah. you know like the old adage, nobody's ever fired for uh, choosing IBM. You know, there's, there's that thing, isn't it? <laughs> um, but there are some great tech startups within the insurance industry. And I think yeah. that's really vital that we also give some of those smaller players uh, their own sort of voice in this as well and look at how they're going to work. Because um, quite often we'll speak to sort of different trade industry magazines and stuff, and they're obsessed with us as a group being the disruptor. They all that's, that's you know, they wanted to, us to say we are a disruptor. And I think that's you know often quite negative. I and mean, we're not an inter- disruptor, we're an integrator. So I'm looking for my suppliers to be in the same mind, really. So... Uh, you know to, to work together with us you know i, I don't why build something that's going to take you know the second an and 10 years it's not, i'm not going to do that in a you know six months it's quite arrogant if i think i can so yeah yeah
0: that's a fair point i mean you you don't disrupt the space you're loud you're noisy you're doing a lot as you say a lot of acquisitions but in terms of the offering yeah you're integrating you
1: know yeah yeah and um, that's what i want to work with people and just improve our offerings to the end consumer by integrating with other people and collaborating really
0: and where do you think you know You've like, obviously seen a lot in the last few years working in the space and, you know, building this technology function, this distribution platform, like you talk about when the introduction, you know, cyber and AI and IoT and, and insurance, like, you know, with these things like AI and, and telematics, you know, where do you see the next wave of innovation, you know, or, or the biggest wave of innovation and is poised to have a big impact in the yeah. near future in insurance, you know, is that an obvious one? Is it just AI or,
1: or do you think that we're missing
0: maybe some other ones?
1: Yeah, I think um, most people you ask this, you know, they'll they'll jump straight to the kind of the standard things, which is well, we're going to improve customer automation and customer service. We're going to do mm-hmm. sort of frontline decisions with chatbots and stuff like that. And maybe an insurance will help automate uh, sort of like rating yeah. and claims performance in a book. And that's what Empty does. And it's kind of, a, I think, a different part of that. I think we're at a really exciting time with AI, I really do. And, you know, we're on about this new industrial revolution. But something I was listening to recently, and somebody said on there as a comment that um, wealthy people over the ages have always had their own AI. And what they mean by that is they've always had an assistant. They've had their legal counsel. They've had their chief medical person, their science, but they can rely upon to be able to uh, to enrich their decisions. And that's what we're getting with things like, you know, ChatGPT and other sort of platforms like that, where we're getting our um, access instantly, not just as a Google search now where you have to then look at the top 10 results and find that stuff. We can access that information straight away and we can have maybe a research assistant that works with us to, remember everything indefinitely and also be able to comment and provide sort of narrative back to us to say oh, you know this is the things that you said and maybe this is the right way to go and have that sort of collaboration to improve humans in in a way I think it's going to be quite fundamental for us but not scary but for us we're we're using ai in, uh, across the group and quite extensively really um uh, probably more so than a lot of companies because we've we've been experimenting for a while with this um so even even our grassroots level when we're writing code now we use ai to debug our code um so it's helping us fix the problems more rapidly to get some sort of uh, code out of so quick the market also where you know you probably know about the devops role which is a role that's always about producing um environments for our code to sit in we're now using ai to produce that for us so we just ask it to set up with x and that produces for it. And it's working really well so we're doing this in a lot of testbed sort of areas as well you know because we're going to need to prove a lot of these things a lot before we can uh, start letting it touch real life stuff. You know, we've still got humans interactive, but it's it's really exciting how rapid we can get stuff out. And I think the uh, the, the bit that I really like that we've got a dedicated uh, machine learning and um, data science team, and they're often uh, working on various different products on there to do with our, what underpins our platform. Um, so we've got a, a, an engine that, which is also a GPT-based engine, that we've been plowing a lot of insurance information on to educate this thing, um, and now we're at a position where we can have a either a conversation or expose part of it via um, the user interface to talk about books. And I think a good example would be that. So, for example, if you went to um, to our platform and you gave it three completely different uh, policy wording uh, documents, uh, it can quite happily come back to you instantly and say, well, this one has the best coverage because of these clauses. This one is the cheapest, but, you know, offers you, you know, good value in a good way. And also I'd recommend if you were going to work them all together, this could be the best product ever if you did this, this, and this. So instantly without having to sit there and reading a 100 page documents, you know, we're able to get that instant you know, output from that. But then we take that further where we've can. We, uh, got it connected to our um, data warehouse. And it can also say, this is the best product, but I'm looking at your claims data. This is the clauses that will make you burn this book. So how can you mitigate that? So helping to really help the actuarial teams within our group. And I think that's where we'll see a lot of interest. And we talking about, you know, telematics is the other phrase that people use, that kind of stuff. And I think it's, it's a slightly better layer than that, rather than just having lots of, you know, data lakes and dashboards and things like that. It's been an educated advisor that somebody can speak to you in terms of AI and help educate some of those decisions. We also, um, sitting on top of the AI that we've got, uh, we also have um, a recommender engine. So the idea being that um, one of our intermediaries in the platform, uh, they get almost, <laughs> it's better than the Microsoft paperclip, but it's that kind of uh, interaction kind of way, where It's prompts within the user interface to say, looking at the data currently that's coming in from people that you're selling things to we recommend you really should sell this type of product because you would make x income and we also think that the effects of doing these different steps would have uh, a substantial uh, increase in valuation for your business so we also use that in a kind of uh, it's quite a harmonious sort of integration so it's not like you know i am the robot i'm chatting to it just seems like the platform's helping you but it's it's more in there and i think that's where we want to see it and it's it's more of that harmonious integration really that's uh, that I'm looking forward to using really and just helping sort of improve everyday thing. Cause I think we've got past that bit now where we're seeing data from uh, IOTs, from black boxes and just your general data we import, but now it's the next step is what we're going to do with that data. I think, and that's, that's the main piece of this.
0: Yeah. Fascinating. I mean, really sounds like you're humanizing the whole thing rather than just Mm. you see I mean, personally, you know, the the day job is recruitment for me and it's um, so, so much administrative tasks there. And, so anyone that knows me knows that I hate administration. So for me, it's been it's been a great tool. But one thing yeah. that I'm just when you were talking about the use cases that you're using stubborn edge, one thing they kind of jumped to is the testing element. Like I don't want to go down the route of it will replace jobs, you know. Again, recruitment consultants are forever fearing that their jobs will be taken from I don't think it will. We've got such a, a humanizing element, the EQ, you just can't replace that. I don't I don't think. But do you think it does put at risk, you know testing and you know software testing to a degree because it is unbelievably accurate and it's yeah, there to, yeah it's there to it's there to pick up errors and anything so do you think it does remove some
1: rules like um, i think it, it can have a little effect i think it it's people will start to work with not you know replace the exact extent so Don't we're that. in a position now as a group of what we call no ops now so we, instead of having devops Okay. So where, but the DevOps team are still working with the AI and working with the scripts because at the end of the day, like you know, uh, DevOps and te- automated test engineers, they're writing scripts to run against. So we're still needing them to educate the AI based on what we're writing, what the expectations are, and what the outcomes. So I think there's still that, and it's it's that piece where it's almost like having that um that person who does the job for you, and you can just go check in to make sure they have done the jo- the job right for you, really. And it's uh, it is again, it's like having that servant or uh, you know, concierge to your job, really. I'd love it if people could do a yeah. lot more like you know, this I don't know if you've played around with any of the chat GPT stuff in meetings. You know, yeah, so it's day, you know, it's, yeah. it's it's mad, you know, it'll we'll go there and you know do take all the notes, transcribe, and then you can just say instead of writing that email at the end, say, oh, this is what happened, it'll just give you that. You know, that that saves me a lot of time. So it allows me to get on to better things. And I think that's yeah. what it's about. I can't see it really yeah. replacing people for a long time. I think a long time. different areas i think it will also bring risk you know Mm. so as we move with ai and also to a sort of a a post-quantum world which will probably next you know five to seven years i think that's where we get a lot of risk and it'll actually open up more opportunities because of the security needs that that world will bring um so i think things will just shift and i think you know the it and sort of tech industry it's constantly nomadic you know i i still you'll notice from recruitment I still sort of chuckle to myself when it says right we're looking for a good engineer who's done this for 10 years (laughs) and stuff it doesn't really mean a lot to be honest because what we're coding in has only only existed for a few years so but you know that is the important bit you know the the AI can do that bit that's the technical skill but the reason why I'm looking for software engineers who have got 10 years experience because it's the soft skills they bring and the AIs don't have that so I, I think the humans will stay around well hopefully you know what well, we'll see right? <laughs> I, I totally agree
0: it allows me as well to move on to just doing better things in my time like that whole thing after a meeting and typing up your notes and saying you know that can take a good best part of an hour if, yeah, if, depending, depending on the, like how yeah. much white structure but you just pump it in there that, i mean it, how empathetic it is how it, how it produces the language that it does the more you work with it as you say the more you just blow stuff data into it mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's quite
0: incredible and i mean I think again at the beginning or kind of midway through, I touched on the, the size of your engineering team and the type of engineers you look for, and you know find that you know a really interesting next talking point. From
1: hmm.
0: engineering team is 17 size, 80 80 percent in the UK. One thing I love to cover almost as a kind of final thought piece on these podcasts is is around that engineering team piece because particularly in the insurance industry, the more I speak with um, Insurance or digital insurers or you know insure tech adjacent businesses that have that you know underwriters, insurers, and a technology engineering team. It just becomes more apparent to me that no one really knows what the engineering team's doing. <laughs> 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 just kind of like sewing that up, <clears throat> which is what you've done. Clearly managed to do well. You guys are you know very heavy on the tech in terms of tech people. But how do you approach the kind of innovation side, not just in the insurance space but i guess mm. the strategies that you use to keep your tech and engineering team motivated you know a lot of people talk about as you say buzzwords you know culture and you know it's about creating a, a safety element for them to speak up. but how do you you know going a bit deeper how, how is that something that you try and do within stubborn edge because clearly as i say it's
1: worked very well yeah definitely it is um it's a funny point for me maybe a bit of a sore point i'll be honest not to upset me or really, anything but um and it's something that's, that I struggle with, the innovation piece I struggled with as a sort of an, a software engineer, player manager to move in full time to C-suite quite a few years ago. Um, and how I stay personally on top of kind of like the uh, the coal face of technology when I'm not there, you know, and how do we do that? So, mm. yes, that is about culture and it is about recruiting smart people and stuff. But we just try and do um, we, we try and do it through encouraging sort of personal innovation development, really. So our, in, our engineers are encouraged to create personal um, experimental projects, so that's something they do. So they might go and spin up something, and then we have lunch and learns where they come in, and, uh, introduce that into their team, and then bring ideas. We keep the the hierarchy in terms of technical decisions quite flat, so nobody's scared to bring new stuff to, uh, to the table, really. And that allows us, and, and we do work in the latest technology stacks, multiple different stacks. Um, the latest tooling and sort of methodology of how we deliver that but it is all about creating that excitement and buzz about it because i don't want people to you know as, as we're, we're at this kind of scale up stage now where we got in danger of becoming a corporate and that's not what we want to be you know we don't want to be this huge sort of old school corporate um mm. i want to keep that kind of startup vibe where people are looking to work at the new stuff not just because we can because that's my line i draw this as a commercial Line of that bit, but um, you know, we're trying to keep sort of innovation. One thing that is really interesting that we're doing at the moment do you know about um AWS Deep Racing? Yeah, I don't know if you know about that at all. No, no yeah, I so, know. So, um, so we've assembled a team of um of engineers who put themselves forward, Um basically, what we get is a real world car, a bit like a rig car, it's like this sort of big. And um, we, use an AWS services, we program algorithms, AI and machine learning algorithms, which sit on that car, and then we take it to real-world events that go around a random racetrack, and basically you compete in a worldwide league, and then eventually it all ends up in Las Vegas and somewhere, somewhere glitzery in oh. the US-based. Um, but you know that puts a lot of excitement. It reminds me it's kind of like you know, when you see these old-school sort of colleges when they have a racing team and stuff like that. It's a little bit like the, the tech version of that, really. But just doing little things like that, I think that keeps the excitement in the team in that way. And that we are such a multicultural and diverse team. Um, you know, it's brilliant bringing all these different ideas and across the board, really. So, you know, just, you know, the India team have just as much input as they do in the uh, in the UK and the SA team. You know, it's, it's really nice in that way. So nobody's scared to bring those ideas and ideas. Uh, you know, I think I think that's where a lot of our engineers are really good in terms of them sticking around and not moving on because they are looking yeah. to work with the latest and greatest and excited about it, really. So it, it's a constant feat, and uh, that we have to. And like I said, there's also an education piece with the rest of the business. where you're saying, we are you know, we mixing with the underwriters and you know the rest of the people have been from institutional insurers and stuff. So it's teaching them of how the, the tech industry work and stuff. Tomorrow night, actually, we've got about thirty engineers and the exco. We're all going for a VR event at Battersea. So, so it's like <laughs> it's all things like you know having those you know, that sort of cross pollination between where the the exco can. I'm sure she had a lot of blue sky ideas with the tech team, and all get very excited <laughs> together and yeah. what we can do. You know, because we, we're, we're solving a lot of problems that people haven't been able to solve with the years. So it's exciting. Hopefully, we've they're seeing seen that we're just you know facilitators of their ideas really in a positive way
0: yeah no that's um thank you for that that's, that's that's amazing i think the listeners will love that you know anyone that's looking to try and create that buzz and excitement around you know bringing ideas to the table and yeah i found that's 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 a really interesting one and i think to be honest you know i'm just conscious of the time and your time is probably a great place to to leave it um so jason thank you it's been uh, super interesting and, and great to have you on
1: Yeah, thank you, likewise, thank you to me.